I have this theory. It's in no way tested or provable and frankly is probably wrong, but I think that people end up living in cities that mimic the weather conditions of the city that they grew up in, or they at least crave them. I live in Chicago right now, and it's certainly nothing like the city I grew up in, Miami. But there's not a single day that goes by where I wouldn't trade in the snow and the slush and the awful cold for sticky, humid, equally awful swamp climate of Miami. One of the most comforting childhood memories I have is of getting into my mom's car after it's been sitting out in the sun for hours and feeling the warm air and the hot-to-the-touch seat on my skin. I sometimes tell people that, and they all think the same thing, that I'm absolutely out of my mind. So you can imagine how I felt when I went to Lakeville, Minnesota, a suburb just outside of Twin Cities, Minneapolis, and St. Paul, to visit my friend Jesse Raub as he drove me around his neighborhood in the dead of winter at the end of December. It's really cold in here. We'll warm up. Okay. Is it warmer today, or was it warmer yesterday? Um, we'll have to see. Right now the car says it's 10, but... Minus or plus? Plus, but it was in the garage. Oh, ran over the snowbank. My name is Ashley Rodriguez, and this is my hometown. The show where my friends walk, or in this case, drive, me around the cities, towns, and neighborhoods that they call home. Got to back up. This driveway a little tricky. But it's probably still about minus seven out, I think. Let's see what the car tells us once we're out the cold. I went to visit Jesse just a few days after Christmas last year. I stayed in the house his parents moved into when he was in high school. Jesse is the youngest of three boys. His brothers had already moved out by the time they moved to the new house. And we drive up to the house that he grew up in, which is about 15 miles away from the house his parents actually live in now. However, as we're driving, I pretty much can only talk to him about one topic. Now it's dropping. Where's it going? It got down to nine. Still thinking. Still thinking about the temperature? The steering wheel's too cold for me to hold on to it. Ooh. So I have to switch hands about every 10 seconds. <laughs> we can fully see my breath in the car. We're down to 8 degrees. You said it's not normally like this. Well, I mean, it's Minnesota, so it'll get... It'll get cold. But, I mean, it's not below zero the whole winter, but it, it's not rare for it to get pretty cold pretty fast and stay there for a bit but you know it's not going to be negative 10 degrees out for like december through february right but it'll be like negative two to three for a couple days at a time and it'll definitely not usually break 10 or 15 degrees for a good month or so sometimes but you'll get some warm days in there maybe it gets up to 20 that's kind of nice how long have you been back home for uh, jeez. This is my 10th day home now. 10th and day back in Lakeville, Minnesota. And how cold has it been the entire time you've been here? Um, I well, 
So the coldest it got down was negative 14. The it was about 14 positive on last Thursday. Um, so it hasn't really broken about 15 degrees above zero, and it hasn't really <laughs> usually hasn't really gotten above five or six degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, so we're about negative four right now. Oh wow! Oh nope. five. Negative five. five. We're still going down. Oh, that's horrifying. That's fine. <laughs> Got a jacket on. Car warms up. This is textbook Jesse. Jesse and I have been friends for about a year, and not once have I really ever heard him complain. He's agreeable. He's cheerful. He's that friend who will always ask you where you want to eat for dinner instead of suggesting somewhere that he wants to go. He's the type of person who will always find a silver lining in anything. When we went outside one day and you said, oh, the sun makes it seem not that bad, and it was like negative 10. Yeah, it does feel a lot warmer. Like, the sun gets pretty well. So we're far enough north that the sun's really low. So if you look that way, to your left, you can see the sun is like... I mean, it's noon, so it's like high noon, right? That's what you say when it's, the sun's out? The sun looks like it's barely even up in the sky. That's how far north you get when you're in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So it's low, and it's really bright, and it feels really warm through a window. Yeah, that's uh, true. When we were in your house, there was one part where the sun was coming in through the window, and I was like, I think I'm going to stand here for a while. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, we hit negative 8 right Oof. now. Negative eight right now. So we, I think we're stabilizing right about here, negative eight. Okay. Where are you driving? So we are going out in, further into the country. We're going to the old house that I grew up in. Um, my parents live now in kind of more suburban development. It's still kind of woodsy. There's a little kind of lake pond area across the street from them. But I grew up in an unincorporated township about maybe seven, eight, nine miles outside of this suburb, which the suburb itself is kind of on the edge of the farmland, but I literally grew up with our house across the street from people who had cornfields, and a little further down they had cow pastures. Um, We had 10 acres of land uh, in this kind of weird, hippie-designed, earth-sheltered house. What does that mean? So, a real earth-sheltered house, you would actually build the house into the ground like into a hill and then you'd actually put dirt over the roof and put grass over the top so you'd actually it's like a hobbit hole (laughs) and it's really environmentally friendly um you're you're basically just insulating the house in the earth right and my parents didn't go that far because my mom wasn't really as much of a weird hippie as my dad thought he was and he's really not that much of a weird hippie What I like about Jesse's tour of Lakeville is that there are details of his life he takes for granted, an assumption that these things are commonplace. We grew up in an earth-sheltered house, he says. What does that even mean? I look up earth-sheltered homes on the internet later that day, and Jesse's description checks out. It does look like where you'd find a family of hobbits, passing the time between second breakfast and elevensies of suburban wasteland like all the strip malls and targets and stuff like that now there's nothing out here yeah there's some old rickety wood fences we see and and we're actually just 
about to turn onto a road that my mom used to call the Horsey Way um, because there were a lot of horses on it. And there were two main roads we could go. Um, uh, one was uh, down the road we're on, which is uh, 185th, and then take Judicial, which is Horsey Way, or we could go all the way down to 205th. Um, and the Horsey Way is also fun because it's really hilly. Now, this is going to be tricky because it's a little snowy and icy, and oh. it's really hilly. So, uh, I'm going to have to drive slow, but I don't want to because it's a really fun road to drive really fast on. Like, right now we're going up a hill where you can't see the edge of. Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> As you can see, Jesse and I have very different perceptions of what fun is. I still laugh anyway. The other fun thing is that on this road is the old gun club, the Minneapolis Gun Club. For some reason, 25 miles outside of Minneapolis, there's a skeet shooting range. Both of my brothers worked there as their first 15-year-old job uh, in the kitchen, like frying food and making hot chocolates for all these like weird gun nuts that lived out here. Uh, the other thing is that at the end of this road, and we'll see if it's still there, one of the houses had a hearse that had been converted into an exact replica of the Ghostbusters car from the first Ghostbusters movie. Um, so we would just drive by that all the time, and it never struck me as weird as a kid. You would just be like, yeah, and then the Ghostbusters car, like everybody has on the roads that they drive home on. But it was a, it's a perfect replica, so I don't know, it's probably not here. It's been probably about 15 years since I've driven this road. When did you guys move? We moved when I was in, a, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, so I was about 16. And like we say move from, like the old house is in the middle of nowhere in an unincorporated township. My parents voted in a you know, metal shack when they had a vote for any election. But we literally moved seven minutes further into the suburb uh, it, it was like nothing of a move, but it's a massive. There's the gun club up that road. Uh-huh. But a it was welcome shooters. Yep, it says. big welcome shooter sign. So I mean, we we moved like almost zero distance, but it was this massive culture shift of this old weird like country kind of hippie almost lifestyle to actually being kind of suburban and you know having like oh there's neighbors here there's actual neighbors by us. Why'd you guys move? Oh, my mom fucking hated it. Uh, she hated being in the country. She wanted, like, a nice suburban house. She wanted, you know, all the amenities of, like, a big, cool new... It's hard to tell sometimes how Jesse feels about things. Like, if he feels more at home in his new house, or if he felt more at home in the old house that we're driving up to. But as we come up the street, some of those feelings start to seep through. And I get to see, like, oh, yeah, I grew up literally with 10 acres of sumac brush behind the house with like dirt bike trails like carved through it and ride my BMX bikes everywhere uh, I'd go wandering around with a hatchet for hours when I was a kid just hours through the wilderness back there just hacking stuff down and making new trails really? yep I can't even imagine that yeah that's just what I grew up doing how old were you? Uh, between the ages of uh, I'd say 5 and 10 so your parents would just be like, here's a hatchet. Yeah, I, you know, I had a bunch of hatchets and knives and all that crap. So this is our, our road. I mean, it felt way longer when I was a kid, but... Of course. I mean, 
imagine negative nine degrees and you have to walk down it. There's a little trail that would lead up to the house. There's the house right there. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't. It's hard to see. Yeah, there's a lot of trees. Um, the driveway is a long hill. They put an extra pole barn next to the house now, and they actually carved out the hill a little bit too that was on. That, that was the house right up there. I don't want to drive up it because... Someone else lives there probably. Someone else lives there. And <laughs> when you live this far in the country and someone drives up your driveway, that means a thing. Like, you don't... When you see a car pull up your, your driveway, then someone's, someone wants to say something. So we're, we're going to... Again, that. a commonplace assumption. See, in my hometown, it's assumed that if you drive into someone's driveway, you're just trying to make a U-turn. It's no big deal. And if a stranger pulls into your driveway, it's pretty much par for the course. Jesse just quickly glosses over that, but I come back to it and learn a little bit about Minnesotan manners. Cold like, sack here. So what would happen if we did drive up there? Uh, someone would go, can I help you? And then you have to go, oh, I used to live here. And then, oh God, the two results are them going, okay. And then them being weird about it. Or the worst one is because we're in Minnesota, they'll invite us in for like coffee and bars and want to talk for two hours, which I don't want to do that either. That's just what people do out here. Tell me more about that. Tell me about Minnesotans and... Oof. <laughs> so... The... I feel like I've, I've heard a lot yeah. of, of Minnesotan mannerisms since I've been out here with you. Um, Minnesotans are... You know, the nicest people you'll ever meet that judge you the entire time they're talking to you. Um, <laughs> people talk a little bit about the idea of Minnesota nice... And, and that's kind of a fun concept that Minnesotans latch on to because I think that means that they're actually nice. But no, it's, it's, it's we're the meanest assholes in the world in, in a, our own little secret way. We're born to be polite and, I mean, well, we're talking specifically about the Minnesota Scandinavians. Uh, you don't really say nothing bad to anybody's face, but you gossip about them behind their back constantly. Um, you give everybody a ton of hospitality, but underneath that warmth is the ability to understand that everything that you take from them in their time of need is fuel for your own dark soul. So when you're like bringing somebody into your house because they're hurting or in pain and you feed them coffee and hot dish, what you're really doing is absorbing their, like, their awfulness so that you can feed your own blackness. <sighs> Minnesotans, you know? Always stealing your soul to feed their darkness. A light description of the Scandinavian Minnesotans Jesse grew up around. I find something equally light to comment on. Can you explain what hot dish is? Oof. It's it's like casserole, but not. I mean, <laughs> there's a cream of something soup. Um, from a can. From a can. Uh, usually some kind of starch. Usually some kind of meat. Um, the one my mom always makes is kind of a fancier version. It's white rice and wild rice, um, chicken, cream of chicken soup, a little bit of chopped parsley, and then you throw breadcrumbs on top and, and bake that with a bunch of butter. So it's all entirely beige and white. The key thing here is that before you bake the chicken, you boil it to make sure it's fully cooked. So you have a nice bunch of boiled chicken thrown into a bunch of like creamed rice and then you bake that with buttered breadcrumbs and that's that's hot dish but also you've got your your variant versions where you have maybe some tater tots on top that's your tater tot hot dish uh there's ground beef versions it kind of depends on what part of the state you're in and and what you're getting 
Um, I feel neither repelled nor enticed by hot dish. While anything with tater tots is usually high on my list of things I want to eat, I can't get the thought of boiled chicken out of my mind. And beige. It's all beige. There are more culinary fascinations, however. I mean, we're also the land of the savory jello. So <laughs> you get the jello mold, but it's like mayonnaise and maybe some ham, maybe a couple pineapple rings. Uh, it's an awfulness. <laughs> so this is, we're going up a road now. We, we went down the road about a, a quarter of a mile. Um, this is where one of my friends lived. This is actually one of the only paved roads, but you can't tell because it's frozen over. Um, where it's a big hill that we're driving up. It doesn't seem that big, but I used to ride my bike over here all the time. My friend Nick Jones lived over here. He's two years younger than me. And uh, it was the only person relative to my age within about a five-mile radius. So Nick and I became friends out of instinct. This is family's house right here on the left. Is there a tractor in the front of his house? What yeah. is that? His dad owns a blacktop company. So oh, okay. Yeah, if they, that, if they still live there, which I doubt they don't, probably still them. But his dad, you know, has some bobcats and stuff, which also isn't rare around here, even if you just live out here. You might just have a bobcat or a caterpillar and, and you know, do landscaping that way for your own house. What were you like as a child? I, was an, I don't know. I was a nice kid. I never got in trouble. I always followed the rules. I always did what you're supposed to do. And then all my friends were the troublemakers, so I would kind of fall in with them a little bit, but no one would ever believe that I was part of a scheme. So whenever we do dumb shit, I would always be the one who could kind of skate free. I'd always be the one whose parents would be like, oh, you should be more like Jesse. He gets good grades, he pays attention, he's so polite. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, was, uh, I mean, that was the surface, of course. Inside, whatever. I don't even remember. You just, I just lived my life like a dumb kid falling around going, I don't know, what are we going to do? So, you know, do whatever kids did. Do you remember being happy as a kid? Yeah, I probably was most of the time. Um, I mean, it was not a bad life. You wake up in the morning, what are you going to do? Uh, you've got one or two options for friends out here. And then <laughs> you just wander off into your wilderness with your dirt bike and pretend that you're like some kind of army man in backwoods chopping down trees with your hatchet. Like, how do you how do you feel sadness or anything? You don't know anything else about life. How would you know anything else but happiness with a hatchet in your hand? Coming up, Jesse tells me about the worst case of chickenpox, and I tread into unknown territory. Can I tell you something? Yeah. And you won't get mad. After a word from our sponsors. Hey friends, welcome back to my hometown. Jesse was just talking about hatchets and hot dish before, and now we talk about Jesse's family and how they ended up in Lakeville, Minnesota, which is a small town just outside of Minneapolis. Here? They're not from here, are they? No, they're not. My dad and mom are both from northern Minnesota, so my dad, well, yeah, my dad originally was kind of bummed around because my grandpa worked for the railroad. Um, so my dad was born in Sioux City, I think. And uh, then they moved up to Grand Forks, 
but on Minnesota side. So instead of Grand Forks, North Dakota, he's in East Grand Forks. And you're basically way, way up, um, like right at the top of the state, almost in Canada. And my mom grew up in a small town called Dilworth, Minnesota. And that is about as small town Minnesota as you can get. There was literally a set of train tracks and literally on one side of the tracks was where all the Scandinavian families lived and the other side was where all the Italian families lived. It was a town of about like 2,000 people. And because the Italians were Catholic and the Scandinavians were all Lutheran, you weren't really allowed to mingle if you were kids. Like you weren't allowed to date across the tracks. <laughs> so it was, I mean, that changed pretty quickly in like the 50s, 60s or so. But when my uh, grandma and grandpa were growing up, that was different. Do you know anything about the history of this area? Out here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll go down to downtown Lakeville. I'll show you. It's an old, I mean, they're all train towns. It's the Midwest. So anything that you see was a train town. And then anything outside of that were people going, I'm not going to live in town. So out here where we are right now, it's all, you know, people living in the woods because they want to. Um, some, and farmland too. So we drove by a couple little farms. To the left of us is an old horse farm. Um, but not farms for really agricultural purposes. Like, some people had some cows, some people had some corn, but they're, you know, they're still kind of hobby farms that people would make their living off of. What do you mean by hobby farms? I've never heard that. Hobby farm, it's like, you, you, you make your living off it maybe, but you're doing it because you want to, not because it's your only life choice. Like, when you grow up in northern Minnesota and you grow up on the farm, like, you don't got an option. That's the farm or you leave. And out here, like, you could drive 10 minutes and work at the Burger King. So, you don't have to do the farm if you don't want to. Like, people out here, they have a farm, they, they want a farm. Everything's a, a choice more than anything. We drive for about maybe a minute or two before the entire landscape completely changes. We were in the snowy countryside and suddenly there are housing complexes, homes that look like one another just row after row. So different from what we just saw. Yep, we took like a mile from the old part, which is the country, and then we just pulled into the country club area. But this has been around for a long time. These have been around for about 25 years, I'd say. Because um, they've been around since I was a kid. And then this is the golf course Brackets Crossing Country Club where I worked. Uh, I was a prep cook in the, uh, I guess the banquet hall for weddings and stuff, and I'd do dishes. And then at the pool grill, I'd run the pool grill uh, in the summer. So be one 16 year old kid, a couple college age uh, like waitresses, and then I would like just fry shit and then eat the leftover french fries and then hang out with the lifeguards all day long until I got bored and then would close whenever I felt like it. Uh, but that was my job for about two years. Was that your first job? Technically second. My first one was running like some dishes at the ski hill. Um, so I worked in like the, the restaurant part of the ski hill and I, I worked in the kitchen there for one winter. And then I took that and got the job here at the country club. It's funny how much closer together all of these homes are. Yeah. Here. I mean, so we're in a real housing development now, and these are all big, old, golf course housing development, like, suburban houses. Like When you say golf course, what is that? What do you mean by that? 
Well, there's a golf course over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's, you know, big old golf course, and so... You used it as, like, a descriptor, like, as a oh, well, type yeah. of home. So, I mean, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and then they build a golf course, and then they build a development around that. So, these are all people who belonged to the country club, basically. I mean, there's no reason why you'd live in this housing development if you didn't have a golf course uh, membership to that country club. So. Jesse can talk on and on about things. But what I really want to know is more about him. Do your parents have any stories they like to tell about you growing up? Oh my God, probably. I had chicken pox when I was a kid. And it was like one of the worst cases of chicken pox that she says anybody's ever seen. That's a lie. But it was bad. And she took pictures of it. And I'd be, you know, covered in chicken pox and tons of pain. And she goes, oh, how are you feeling today? And I just go, um, good, pretty good. And just weeks. I was out for school for like a month almost, just covered in chicken pox. And never once did I say like, oh, it hurts or I'm sick. I'm just like, I'm good, I'm fine. So she talks about that a lot because I still do the same thing today. You started telling us a story about the lake that we're driving to. Did I? Yes. What was its story? Something about the island in the middle. Oh, uh, Crystal Lake. Actually, that's further out. But when we were in high school, we found out that you could rent the island at Crystal Lake. They didn't really get suspicious that a bunch of dumb high school kids were like, can we rent this island? And so, I don't know, it was like 50 bucks, and they'd give you two canoes and the island for the night. Uh, there was a fire pit and a porta potty, and there you go. So we rented it about three or four times, and we'd go camping out there. But yeah, we'd go out there, we'd all hang around, have a bonfire, uh, then canoe ourselves back in the morning. Um, you said you were driving over to where your old elementary school is, too? Yeah, so we're going to drive by my old elementary school here. This is, this is the, your... the little fishing area where I'd go fishing, uh, right off that little dock. God, the lake is completely frozen. Yeah, you can, I mean, you'll see ice houses on the lake where people go ice fishing. My dad, this is the lake that my dad used to drive his van out on and put our ice fish house on and then afterwards you'd tie sleds to the back of the van and then you would literally just pull the kids behind the van uh, and then like take sharp corners so the kids would go flying around on sleds. Mm -hmm. Not very safe but like it's pretty fun to drive a van in a giant frozen lake because you just skid everywhere. Can I tell you something? Yeah. And you won't get mad at me? Sure. You tell stories like your mom. I believe it. <laughs> I'll talk. No, but you just start on a tangent, and you start somewhere else, and then you go somewhere else, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, I am my that mom's son. That is a son. hard story to follow. I'm my mom's son. Before I got to Minnesota, Jesse warned me. My mom will start telling you stories the moment you walk in. Within about three minutes, I was looking at photos of her and her sisters as she talked about growing up as a middle child and how she baked cookies for her entire family. I then was shown the cookie fridge. Yes, in Jesse's home. There is an entire fridge dedicated so, to cookies. Yeah, here's, here's like Marion. It's big. It goes way out there. Do you feel like you knew everyone in town? No, not at all. Because the suburb's pretty big. By the time I was in elementary school, it was about thirty thousand people. We're going. Well, you just you're just saying like the optometrist kid or these things. It seems like there's a bit of familiarity with. Oh, but like we knew that Matt McDonald's dad was the optometrist because we knew Matt McDonald. Right. Um, we're going downtown now. So this is old Lakeville. And so Lakeville, the city, started out as a train stop town. 
So every town in the Midwest was a train stop at one point in time. Um, you just have to find where the downtown is. So a lot of small old timey houses, a lot of like old 1800s houses. Babes, which is a biker sports bar. But you can see these old buildings are all from like the 70s in this weird downtown area. But some, oh shit, some of these are new. That's weird. Yeah, have you seen this area change a lot? Uh, I guess not, because we never come downtown here. Well, I mean, just your town in general. Yeah, let's, I mean, a, a bit. A lot on the edges of town, because all these big, huge new houses and developments pop up, so then little strip malls pop up to support that. But I forgot that there's a bunch of new breweries that just opened up down here. There's two breweries in downtown Lakeville now, which is crazy. But we literally drove by, in two minutes, this, like, maybe half-mile stretch, and then we're done. There's the old Lakeville Family Bowl, old bowling alley, and then the one Catholic church in town, All Saints. Nope, I lied. The old church, it's now the Arts Center. I forgot the church moved somewhere else. Like, that's it. That's downtown Lakeville. So, where does this town come from? Well, that used to be a train stop down there. Where? No idea. It's gone now. It's been gone for forever. But there are no train tracks here anymore? No. And actually, at Lake Marion, that lake we drove past, was a resort. So the train stop was here for the town, and then the train would actually go on out to Lake Marion, and there was an old Ferris wheel out there. So people from Minneapolis would come down, uh, and there was like an amusement park there. I think there was even maybe a crappy roller coaster, like in the 1800s of some kind. Uh, but Lakeville was kind of a little resort area for a couple of years. Uh, and then, I don't know, just a little frontier town, and then uh, just slowly built around there. Do you have any favorite places in town? Man, that's hard. Like, in town is kind of this weird concept because we lived out in the country. Right. So growing up, like, we didn't have cable because you couldn't get cable. If we wanted to watch TV, we had an antenna that was 25 feet wide and, like, 4 feet tall that was in the attic of the garage. My dad literally had to climb up and move it to get reception to come in. We couldn't get pizza delivered to our house, so, like, mom would cook a lot of our food. So we were right by the suburb, but there's really nothing there. So my hometown is like nothing. Like if we wanted to do something, we'd have to go to the next town over to Burnsville. And there was like a mall in Burnsville, an actual mall. And there was an arcade there. So going to the arcade was fun. Or there was a place called Grand Slam uh, out in Apple Valley. And Grand Slam had, like, batting cages and mini golf and laser tag. And, like, I liked going out there when I was a kid. But, like, in Lakeville itself, like, there was nothing here. There's nothing particularly notable in Lakeville. I did some research on the town, and there's no secret history Jesse has glossed over. No crime sprees, no battles. The most famous people to come from Lakeville are a few local athletes and a repeat contestant on the reality show Big Brother. Yet still, it's clear that this place is special to Jesse. In a way that one's hometown, the place that represents who he is and where he comes from can only be. It's exciting to watch him talk about this place, and I wonder if he misses it. Where are you driving to now? I don't even know. It's just it's kind of wandering out this way. Um, so do, do you miss this at all? Do you miss this piece of life at all? Or do you crave a slower of life now that you live in the city? I don't miss the suburbs. Um, I'm back home enough where like 
the weird medium pace of life of living in this like semi-wooded lot is fun for these 10 days um and being close enough to Minneapolis where you can just like bounce out whenever you feel like it is is nice uh but I do like being out in the woods and seeing my old house it's not quite secluded enough but I do miss having the ability to wake up and look out into an actual forest. I know Jesse is a city guy. He lives in Chicago, works for a big coffee roasting company, and doesn't ever seem to yearn for a quieter life when we're in the city. But it makes you wonder how much of your childhood and the places you grew up shape your preferences. For the woods, for the snow. As Jesse's quick to point out, it's certainly shaped my preference for never wanting to be outside in the cold. There was a point in time when you told me yesterday that we were getting out of the car too often. <laughs> but at the same time, like, as far as we've been driving, there hasn't been a single place where it's like, let's stop and get out. Like, everything's been a highway. Everything's a big road. Um, there's places we could go and we could try to trudge around in, but it's it's gone from negative 7 to negative 10 to back to negative 7. And you're in Minnesota. Like, this is the weather where... You don't go outside because if you're outside for more than 20 minutes, um, like we're going to get frostbite. We don't have actual proper winter gear on. We've got good jackets, um, but we don't got gloves. We don't have stuff for our legs, and you definitely don't have the right boots. <laughs> How do you think where you grew up informs the things that you want in your life now? Huh. I mean, I always had like a, a, a hunger for something more and and like Minnesota you know it really like it, it primes you for a lot of things like you you get a chance to learn that there's something bigger out there a lot of times like being close to Minneapolis but you also learn that like you might not get it here like you either get satisfied with this kind of cookie cutter version of things that are interesting and things that are like cool but you might not get the full version of it and I think that's the test is you either go I'm satisfied with this easy version of everything that exists like I can get in a car and I can go to my apartment and I can drive to like some new chef's cool version of a cool restaurant or I can go experience this new cultural art landscape and it's you know, it's a city that just coddles you in a lot of ways in, in Minneapolis. Uh, if, you know, if you're young and, and you have money. Okay. Rapid fire, Midwest, Minneapolis, Minnesota lingo. So we did hot dish. What are some other words that only Minnesotans use? A good one is the ofer phrase. So you say ofer on stuff. So it's, uh, you see a cat and it's doing something funny with a ball of yarn. You go, oh, for cute. Or uh, you do something that's kind of silly and you go, oh, for stupid. Um, so there's ofer. Uh, what if something's like strange or you don't like it? So that, well, you're prompting me on this one. Yeah. You go, oh, that, that's different. Well, that's one you've told me before. I yeah. wanted to hear it again. I know. That's different. It's pretty great. But that's, that's kind of, that's a judgmental one. You go, oh, that's <laughs> different. The, the best one is uh, ufta. Ufta. It's an old Norwegian uh, exclamation. Uh, but Ufta was best described by uh, a friend of mine uh, who said, Ufta, it's kind of what you say when you stub your toe or find out your friend's wife's been cheating on him. Uh, 
but you use a, it in a sentence. It's, like a, it's just an explanation. He's, he goes, ah, man. Whew. I just ran into the wall. And then your friend goes, oofta. Uh, you just go, oh, 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 a lot. It's a lot of O's. You just throw that out there. Or just, yeah, 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 but, oh, but, yeah, and, oh, so, oh, but, yeah. You throw a lot of interjections into phrases. That'll come out a lot. There's a lot of rules about how things work. There's a lot of social interaction rules, too. So you got to refuse things at least two times. You can only accept things on your third offer. So if somebody goes, uh, you know, there's one more bar left. You want the bar? You go, nah, no, no thanks. I can't. I couldn't. You go, what? No, no trouble. It's uh, it's for you. That's that's. There's just one for you. you go, ah, uh, no, I'm really, I shouldn't. And they go, yeah, but there's one more bar here for you then. And you go, well, you know, I guess if you're offering, then I'll just take the bar then. Uh, and if you don't know, a bar is some kind of, like, brownie type thing that's been baked in a pan and cut into squares. So that's that's your bars. I'd like to say I know Jesse pretty well. At this point, I've been with him in Lakeville for three days, and yet, after all these questions, after all the driving, I can't tell if he likes his hometown. He gets along with his family, he enjoys the snow, but the city? I'm not sure. I was about to turn off the recorder when I snuck one final question in. After talking to you about this area, I have absolutely no idea how you feel about it still. It's hard to to come to grips with how I feel about it because I I understand it and know it but I also feel like I'm not a very like conscious person about my surroundings a lot of the times and so like I know the area and I know things here and I knew that I grew up here but like I have no idea how I felt about it when I was a kid uh, except for I was like oh, I, I kind of liked living out in the woods it's a very indifferent place, and it's easy to feel indifferent about it. I don't hate it, but I wouldn't buy a house here. Um, it is it is the purgatory of places to grow up. But even that sounds kind of bad, because people always have a negative connotation for purgatory, but, like, it's fine. It's literally, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. If you need stuff, you can go to the next town over, and they got all the chains. Uh, if you want to get to Minneapolis, you can get to Minneapolis super easy. It's kind of like the safest and easiest environment to ever have a childhood. You don't get to have the idea of like a cool small town that you grew up in, but you also like could have been worse. But that's also just the shitty Minnesota attitude that everyone has where that ah, could could be worse, you know. So, I don't know, maybe it is awful here and I'm just projecting. Well, you've heard it here. Lakeville, Minnesota. It's fine. Thank you for listening to My Hometown. My Hometown is made by me, Ashley Rodriguez, and scored by Jesse Raub. <laughs>